0: the ebbs and the flows is born through the idea of listening and learning from voices in the mental health space targeting inaccessibility misconceptions stigma and shame and supporting education empathy compassion and celebration as such this episode as well as a vast majority on this podcast contains sensitive content around mental health that some listeners may find triggering if you or someone you know is struggling Please call Lifeline on 13 11 14. Wherever you are listening, the Ebbs and the Flows acknowledges the continuing cultural and spiritual connection First Nations people have to the land, waters and seas upon which we work, rest and play, and we pay respect to Elders, past and present. Our guest on this episode is Bron Lewis, comedian, former teacher, podcast queen and mother. She is the winner of Raw Comedy 2022 and has been touring her show probably across Australia. We talk about the power of comedy, the benefits and hang-ups, from the show she's bombed to the exhilarating feeling of working a humming crowd. We speak about comedy and its links to addiction, pre- and postnatal anxiety and depression, and the nuances of live performance. This is The Ebbs and the Flows. Soft chats about hard stuff. At the end of the day, we're all just a work in progress. This is The Ebbs and the Flows. Hello to wherever you're listening. Uh, this is another episode of The Ebbs and the Flows. And today we have a special guest. She is a comedian, um, recently performed at the Melbourne International Comedy Festival um, with her show, Probably. Um, Also a former colleague of mine. Bron Lewis is here. Um, Thank you for joining us. Oh,
1: my pleasure. My absolute pleasure, William Palm. Is your middle name Elizabeth?
0: Do you really want to know? Yeah. It's Barry. Barry, mm.
1: it's beautiful. I Thank don't. You. Know, I don't think I've ever met anyone with a <laughs> no. name Barry. Is it who was Barry in your life? Who Barry
0: went? was uh, my father's father. Oh, and he that's died. very nice. Yeah, he died before I was born.
1: Less nice.
0: I know. Okay. I know, but also nice that are like I, I used to be. Really, I was really embarrassed about the name. Why? People would ask because Barry, it's your grandpa. I know, but as a kid, you don't quite. You're like, oh yeah. It's a bit daggy. I think every kid
1: was supposed to be a bit embarrassed about their middle name for a while. My Mm -hmm. middle name was Heather and my brother uh, changed it to Heifer. So that was (laughs) less cool. Uh, But also I was named after – that was my – uh, my nan's sister, and she was like an absolute baller. She was so good. She used to brew her own beer. Wow. Way too strong. And she yeah. would drink heaps, and she would drink till she had to crawl. But <laughs> she would she would crawl to the beer fridge to get another beer. And I'm not saying drinking's the best, but I'm saying <laughs> it, it's pretty cool.
0: <laughs> yeah, brewing her own beer <laughs> and crawling. So she would crawl. Annie So Heather. intoxicated that yeah. she would crawl.
1: And then people wow. would, she's just a good time. She's yeah. just a really, really lovely lady. Yeah, anyway,
0: Raging alcoholism. Raging. But,
1: <laughs> but anyway. No, yeah. you're
0: right. Good time. And, and I think, you know, that's, I think now I'm just like, well, I carry my dad's dad's name. Yeah. Never met him, but I always hear he's a great man. Yeah. And it'd
1: be so nice yeah. for your dad to like keep that name going.
0: It really is. Yeah. I think I'd probably like if I ever have a son, which is, you know, looking exceedingly, increasingly unlikely. Why? Um, I don't know.
1: You're only 31. 32. 32. Oh, you're right. Yeah. No, you are definitely out of fertility age. As a man, you've only got 45 years to go. <laughs> Far out. I know.
0: I Come know. on, mate. I know, I know, I know. But if I do have a son, I think maybe I can sit. Well, obviously, I consult with the, the person, that I, the woman, or, or, or the woman who the I'm woman, with. Yeah. Um, I consult because that's important. It is, it, it is. not yeah. it like, Barry. It's like, Barry there's a girl. It's like, that? no, Barry. <laughs> yeah.
1: My kids have my, um, I've got three kids and they've they all got their dad's last name and my last name. I have no sentimental connection with my last name. My yeah. last name is like, this is my obviously, it's my dad's last name and I didn't have a particularly strong relationship with my dad and it's mm. like Lewis. Like it's not a, like, oh, yeah. wow, how interesting, how exotic. You know, yeah. it's, just, yeah. it's just a last name to me. It's like Jones. And then <laughs> but my, my partner's last name is Polish and it's spelled really strange and he loves his last Name, even though he grew up hating his last name, right. Because it's impossible to pronounce, like okay. it, it is spelt like this O W C Z A R E K mm. impossible, and it's not said anything like that, it's yeah. pronounced off-charik impossible. Um, but in Poland, like they're, they're like, oh, yeah, obviously, that's a cool regular normal last name but yeah, he it's yeah. really hard so he's been his whole he still does like every day has to try and explain his last name so when we had our kids I was like well what last name will they have and he was like well mine it's a really special name to me I'm like okay whatever I don't care but my kids hate it
0: They hate because they
1: have to pronounce it. They have to pronounce it, and they have to write it, and their teachers never know. Right? I'm like, God, we've just given them such a burden. But it's really important to him and his family. So what do you do? Yeah, yeah. Barry, you can spell that. I can spell (laughs) that. (laughs) You're fine. (laughs) It's it's it's
0: interesting. Like at schools with um, surnames that are like not so Anglo-centric, or you know, being like Smith or Jones or whatever, and then every teacher seems to fuck up every name that comes their way that is more complicated than sure, that. Sure. Yeah. And I could imagine as a kid you're just like please just just get my last my surname. Yeah. Right.
1: I've said it to you before yeah. once. And I know you have 900 students, yeah, but could right. you please remember that it's off charic? No, they just why? yeah, but it's just, you know, that's just the cross that they bear for that's the rest of their lives. Correct,
0: exactly, exactly. <laughs> and we all get over trauma. Well, maybe not, but um, if that's the worst thing that happens, that's it, right. Mispronouncing They're the names, fine. Yeah, they'll be fine. Yeah. Now, I start every episode by asking pretty much the same question. Yeah. Um, how would you describe without using, you know, good, all right, bad? How would you describe how you're feeling today?
1: Uh, Okay, great. uh, Look, I feel a little bit tired but also in a good way. Like when Mm. I was a teacher, I was a teacher for what, about 10 years with you for some of that time. Um, My exhaustion felt... Uh, kind of frustrating because I was tired for I felt like mm. for like pretty boring reasons. Like yeah. I'd be getting up at four to do to mark, and then I <laughs> uh, would be cranky um in the afternoons, and then go to bed way too late because I was trying to find some kind of, um, some kind of like uh, reward for working really hard. I'd watch shows for too long, right. and I'd yeah, um, yeah. you know, just like drink too much too much and whatever. Yeah. Maybe like I wasn't crawling to the fridge, I'm not that cool, but I was you know like i was trying to find ways to like fill my cup and then um yeah. but now i'm tired but for a good reason like i was mm-hmm. i worked quite late last night um performing and then this morning i was up early cuz i was um recording a couple of podcasts um with my friend um you know like so i'd spent i feel like i've spoken a lot yes um but none of it is about macbeth so it's fine <laughs> <laughs> If that makes sense, that kind
0: of makes sense. Yeah. yeah. So how am I? Um,
1: I'm good. I feel good. I feel. I know I you said. said don't use okay. Good. So I feel, <laughs> I feel. I feel. I feel no. satisfied. Good. Oh, you can't say. So um, you I can't can. Say good I either. mean, different I rules for girls. Okay. No, definitely not. Okay. Definitely not. Uh, very
0: quickly, I know your podcast. um, Good Chillers. Correct. Yeah. With Claire.
1: We, like, there's a there's a good reason as to why it's why mm. it's less, and for a complete selfish reasons, it's yeah. we are feeling. We feel like we've got more things on. She's yeah. about to do like – she's involved in some weird garden program, um, doing my like comedy and then we'll do good sheilas because it's actually a really nice way for us to hang out as well because yeah. like we poke each other, you know, like a, a – today I just made fun of her for ages because she's got, she keeps getting tattoos because uh, she's just really impulsive. She keeps getting <laughs> tattoos and then she keeps getting lasered off. So um, it's wild. Uh, and it, it, because there's a, I don't know, because there's a microphone in front of you, you're like, yeah, this. Yeah. She, can't, she can't erase this joke. <laughs> Everyone <laughs> must know that I'm bullying her.
0: How would you explain the state of the world today? Um, how do you think you fit into that sort of image um, and how do you fight against uh, that? As like I don't know, an agent of change.
1: Ooh, that is a big, that is a heavy one. Yeah. So I think since starting comedy, it has become uh, with comedy. It's really um, um, uh, consuming. Yeah. So when I'm in the uh, in the comedy world, it, it it does feel like that is or we've got, um, the, the, that's all there is in my life, which mm. apart from having children. But <laughs> uh, um, hey, hey, hey. And then uh, so uh, what I, I guess my the lens that I've got is through the comedy world. And I did comedy in, in Brisbane for a couple of years and people in Melbourne always assumed that people in Brisbane, um, they say whatever they want and there's lots of like racial slurs that are like, you know, laughed at and there's lots of like... <laughs> gendered issues that are just kind of still but they just think it's really like Melbourne's progressive and everywhere else is kind of stuck in the past however I was actually really pleased to see that um Brisbane is actually pretty progressive not as progressive as uh, you know we'd want mm. I imagine but now there's Melbourne
0: no, and we Brisbane. We think
1: we are, but we're not.
0: We we do, and um, Brisbane also elected. Not saying the Greens are the bastion of like progressiveness, but they did. I think three lower yeah. lower we're, house. Yeah, we were. It was
1: really, it was really huge, mm. and and people in Brisbane were like, yeah, cool, like great. Yeah. There was, you know, a few right wing mates of Lucas, my partners. They were like, what? In the world is over. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, I think it's we love to think Queensland's full of dum-dums, yeah mm. um, but it's dum-dums everywhere, Will. There really are, Some yeah. in this room. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. No. <laughs> um
0: Melbourne uh, yeah Mel- so what yeah. do I,
1: so sorry I feel like I didn't even answer your question So it's how bad. do I see the world I feel like we are we are we are challenging the way that we think at the moment and with the comedy lens is we are challenging like certain uh, certain areas I feel like we are this peace this war on pc is kind of getting mm. up my goat a little bit and uh, in comedy that like you always hear people say like when I've interviewed for stuff people say it must be hard you can't joke about things anymore <laughs> It's like what do you mean mm. can't joke about things before oh there's so much you can't say anymore i'm like wh- like wh- what do you mean like I don't think we ever wanted to say like there's Mm. certain people who were never going to say those things if you're like they're talking about the people who were like the like the squeaky wheels who were problematic at the at the start Mm. and they're still problematic they're never going to change their tune there's just more voices actually rising to the surface now who were never going to say those yucky things anyway Mm. so I think we're in this uh, I think we're in this part of the world in the comedy world anyway where we're like. Oh things are changing and that's great uh, but I don't know I don't know if mm. we if we ever we're going to be that bad anyway.
0: Mm. And it's funny. I think probably, I, I don't know if you find this, but the people who are criticising comedy and the comedy scene in Melbourne don't actually go to any comedy. Yeah. Or they go to like absolutely. Isaac Butterfield or something like yes. that.
1: Yes. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you know,
0: where they can laugh or whatever. Whatever <laughs> comes their way. Um, yeah, and I, I totally agree with the political correctness. I, I don't know how it's still going. Oh, bloody PC stuff. Like, yeah, well, woke, yeah. And woke and, and yeah. half of them who are saying that wouldn't be able to answer what that actually means. It's yeah. just more just rhetoric. It's yeah. easy to attack someone by saying you're too woke and the birthplace of wokeness actually comes from like racial justice, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Not people, that, yeah. yeah.
1: So I do – yeah, people using woke uh, – comedians often use woke as if it's a, mm. a, a really negative connotation, something mm. that's killing the comedy world, but it's like, oh, no, that's just – as you completely misunderstanding that, and the fact that you you think that word means something bad means that there's something you've got something bigger going on, um, and you've got a voice that no one cares for anymore.
0: Oh, and that's that's right. And I mean, I saw Hot Department during the comedy festival. So funny. <laughs> <They're> <laughs> We're so talking funny. about that. They're yeah incredible performers, and um, that's some. Pretty racy stuff.
1: Yeah. They're very, um, they're also so great. They're like yeah. they're, as people as well. So I'm pleased you went and saw them. Thanks yeah. for not coming to see mine. I know. I'm, I'm joking. I, I am coming to
0: the July fifteenth show, Correct, the replay yes. show, which I'm bloody pumped about. Yeah. Um <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, what would and I, I don't know if this, you know, your closest friend, whoever that might be, or your partner, whatever. Um, what would they say is your most alluring quality?
1: Alluring. Yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. Great. Um, I will just keep going. So, um, so at the moment, uh, my partner has quit his job, um, mm. and he's now in the in between jobs, and he's like applying for stuff, and like really wholeheartedly applying for it, anything and everything. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, yeah, cool. The worst thing I can say is no. Yeah. So he's like, "Oh, cuz people have these really precious egos mm. and we re- we're terrified of rejection." Yeah. But since um getting to a point in my life, it would have been just uh yeah, just after 30. I realized that people say no all the time. Like yeah. I will say no all of the time to certain things. Everyone is saying no to a lot of things all of the time. Mm. So why are we so terrified of someone saying no to us? Like why do we feel like we are the exception to that, Yeah, to, right. that, to, that, to receiving that? Mm. And so I am not scared of people saying no to me. I'm not scared of asking for things. And if they say no, then I'm like, that's okay, that's fine. Yep. Like lots of people would have asked. Lots yeah. of people would have had someone say no to them mm. and that's okay. So it's, it's, it's not taking things personally personally
0: mm.
1: not always like sometimes things hurt my feelings um so there's a feeling in there somewhere and sometimes <laughs> it gets injured but it but mostly i f- i like things are water off a duck's back mm. for me which i think is cool as well
0: you do stand-up comedy i know it's a cliche and i'm sure there are a lot of sensitive com- like really yeah. sensitive comics yeah but I, I i do look at um comics and comedians and people on stage in general and i'm just like fuck that's incredible what you do in terms of getting up there, but maybe that's just because I'm so scared of like if I I did one stand-up thing for did raw you? comedy, it bombed so when? bad. Oh, years ago. Oh and my, I first, didn't know that. <laughs> my first joke. Um, it's pretty embarrassing was like, oh I reckon I'm a recovering sex addict. The whole room was quiet. Yeah. And I just must have been the most like 24-year-old, arrogant, like young man who's just like, oh, I'm gonna be, yeah, I'm gonna kill yeah. this. Yeah. Cracking Pokemon jokes.
1: Incredible. That was
0: really bad. And I reckon I got three laughs.
1: Hey, mm. some people get none.
0: That's true.
1: Some people get none. And, and it's a thing of like you gave it a go.
0: Yeah, and I, I will look back on that. I don't think I'll, I could ever do it again. Fine, and it's yeah. a good thing because
1: mm. some people do it and they're, they're bad and then they just keep doing it forever <laughs> yeah, and you're right. like, stop doing it. Like, I know. You're no good and uh, mm. no one's getting anything out of this. How are you? Yeah, but yeah. then again, I don't know what they're getting out of it. They might just be like finally their voices being able to be heard, yeah. and they're not actually worried whether people like it or not. Yep. They're not great comics. They'll never... <laughs> They shouldn't uh, be given the microphone as much as they are uh, given the microphone. But, uh, but you know, there's so many. Yeah. Oh, my God, we yeah. don't have enough time.
0: Yeah, right, right.
1: But, yeah, the, the there are some sensitive comedians, uh, but they're sensitive for different, you know, mm. everyone's got their own like kryptonite, I guess. Yeah. I, often people who are uh, quite sensitive don't stay in comedy for very long. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think people who have made comedy their entire world, like mm. I said, it's really consuming. But if that's so why I'm really glad I started comedy after having kids yeah, because I can go home after a set and if it's not a particularly great night mm. at the gig, I can go home and it's no one saying like, the kids aren't like, my mum. Mm. What they laugh at? What happened? What went wrong? Yeah, Did they yeah. not understand the punchline? Yeah. You know, they're just like, Mom, where are my shoes? You know, yeah. and then I, then I, just, I just roll. The, mm. that, it's kind of like water off a duck's back because it has to be. Yeah, of course. It's like yeah. a forced duck and a forced water, <laughs> forced rolling.
0: <laughs> the other part of the question is like if you meet someone, what, yeah. do, what do you think is the most alluring quality in someone you meet for the first time?
1: I like someone who will, uh, who shows genuine interest in other people. Mm -hmm. So um, one of my pet peeves is when people say, uh, oh, hey, Bron, how are you? And as I'm about to answer, they look away and then Mm. like distracted by something else. It's that filling the space but not actually acknowledging someone and having a moment with someone yeah. so people who are who who are constantly moving and i move quick and i move a lot and i my brain is always moving but i i think one thing that i do is i will like take time to like yeah. make a moment with someone if they've decided to make that moment with me yeah. um so yeah i think people who actually genuinely listen and are genuinely interested mm-hmm. in other people
0: yeah, and I think it's kind of the least you can do with someone. Oh my god! Even if then, even if you don't particularly like them, or um, you know, or you don't really like have that much in common with them. Yep. It's the, the least you can do is just acknowledge. Yeah. I'm talking to you. Yeah. And how are you? Yeah. And it's pretty. I don't know. And obviously, for some people, they don't give a f- stuff about that. Um, but that's I suppose a little bit disappointing when that happens. Oh. Yeah.
1: It's, it just happened to me last it was last night or night before when someone said, "How are you?" and then as I went to answer, they had already started a conversation <laughs> with someone else. I'm like, "Do you know you can just say hello?" Yeah. If you don't, you know. Uh, mm. And then I had because I'd started answering, it was embarrassing because I went, oh, "Okay, yep, yeah, good." <laughs> that is awkward. Um, and then I yeah, it's just it's just disappointing. It's yeah. like, oh wow, but I do also feel sorry for them mm. because I know that they're they're I guess they're constantly searching for. I don't know, how what they can get out of a situation yeah, rather right. than how can they spend time with someone. How mm. can they, genu- you know, it's a very... Uh, like you know, like a, this hungry search of like is someone, someone's validation who means something more to you. Oh, than, right. So like this person, like, she was talking like the way she got easily distracted. Yeah. It was she was talking to someone I guess with higher status than I had. So I was like, oh wow, I will judge you forever for that. Moment. I know, absolutely, <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah. Um, I suppose today uh, it's a it's the the show that this one is the the strand. They've got two strands. <laughs> Which so I'm Great. working on. This is called The Power of. And I yeah. thought, like, The Power of, and it's a bit lame, but The Power of.
1: Why would you comedy, say that?
0: Because I undersell myself. You do. That, you should so. not do that. Thank you. I appreciate it. If people
1: that. are listening to this podcast, it's ebbs and flows. Like, they know what it's about. Why Absolutely. would you say it's silly? Because you're making them feel silly for listening to it. Do you That's think they're really silly for listening Definitely to your not. podcast? Definitely not. I love,
0: I think it's a, you know, I love this stuff and I, I love, um, talking about mental Great. health. Great, and, and the people and, who are
1: listening would want to hear it. So don't call them silly.
0: Oh, that's a really interesting perspective, Bron. And I actually will, from now on, I will remember that. Yeah. Because that's, a, and that's a, this is not an analysis of me, but um, it is that little hang-up like you have when you're like, oh, and with creativity, I'm sure you probably, maybe you felt this where you're like, I'm doing something, putting myself out there. Mm. It's just silly though. It's just doing a little yeah. thing. And you're like, it actually is really destructive. Yeah, um, And I'm not doing this to say that. That's like in general, people who like like, oh, yeah, but I've just got this little thing on the side that I'm doing. Yeah. And you're like, no, 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 it's much more important than that. Yeah. To me, it means like this, this and this and, you know, whatever happens from there. So, yeah, anyway. Absolutely. Not a psychoanalysis of myself, but it is no, a really good point that you picked it up on. True.
1: And you've got to lean in. Like if I bring, if I have uh, – bring back to comedy, if you are doing a joke that you are a little mm. bit – doubt, like if you have any doubt yeah. in that joke and yeah. you, you will not sell it and they will not laugh and you'll be like, okay, I won't try anything new again. And then you'll just do the same old boring stuff that you've – you've done because you aren't believing it because the second someone f- smells a little bit of hesitation they go oh they don't trust this wow. it mustn't be very, very yeah. good so the same thing with this if you were like oh it's just a silly little podcast then they'll be like oh well people listening this what i would do i'd be like oh okay well i'll just listen to a not a silly little podcast there's yeah. so many right. this right. is going to be this is a great podcast it is you're thank very you. yeah. knowledgeable and you're thank very you. charming this is going to well, be great
0: appreciate it thank you brian um yeah, this is the power of. Yeah. power of comedy. Question one uh, about comedy, it's just more about the collective, I suppose it's kind of the benefits to our well-being collectively or societal, and I know comedy sometimes gets a bad rap of like having like alcoholics and recovering alcoholics, yeah. so we're just finding some sort of purpose and meaning, yeah. and really like we're looking at like it's a phenomenon. Around the world, and I know Melbourne has a massive comedy festival, but Edinburgh, and then you think about over in the USA, with so many um, Hollywood actors obviously getting their start. Uh, you know, Chicago, LA, um, New York. So it's a global phenomenon, and some of the, the biggest stars in the world, I suppose, are, are comedians now. What what do you think it's like to for stand up or live comedy? You know, what, what what makes it such a successful escape vehicle for people?
1: Uh, because it, it I love that you use the word escape because it is mm. like if you go to co- to good comedy, um, yeah. you will forget that you are there. It, yeah. In like a it, so, I watched this documentary, um, uh, about uh, comedy because like I said, it becomes quite an obsession. Um, uh, and there was established comedians explaining what comedy felt like to um to this person making the film, and one guy said comedy. Uh, doing stand up feels like you are driving um this is a performer driving a car that's very unreliable <laughs> at very high speed mm. and it's thrilling yeah. but any second something could fall off and i love that analogy and then i and then they said watching stand up comedy is you are in a trance because there mm. is a rhythm and there are setups and there are punchlines and there is you you find you are a unison you are not just an individual consuming this comedy you mm-hmm. are, you move with the crowd the right. crowd becomes kind of one uh, and um, and there is a person at the top in this very, uh, who is performing in a very fast car and something could fall off and we understand <laughs> that like yeah. as an audience you're like something could fall off mm. and I don't know when but you trust you start to trust them and you start to see that car is getting a little bit more reliable yeah. but then it can fall off and so there's uh, so you create this kind of hypnosis in the audience and then when an or a comedian stumbles on a joke they could just to get two words mixed the wrong way or they could yeah just a it's really like they could hiccup between a thing mm. or they could what it like sneeze or whatever and as soon as there's some blip in that in that rhythm that they have got going um the audience breaks out of hypnosis and then the and then the a performer has to then try and build it back up, start the car again, wow. get it to a high speed.
0: That's great I love and yeah. I,
1: I, I love thinking about that how the audience actually becomes less less of an individual mm. in thinking about their life because they're not because you have to you have to listen to comedy. For it to work, yeah, right. You can't zone out for a bit and then come back. There are callbacks <laughs> in comedy, so you are you are rewarded if you are focused. You're rewarded if you give them your time because yeah. you know ten minutes later they could. There is this beautiful callback, and the the satisfaction of a callback <laughs> is so beautiful. Um, and it's so you actually, in order to enjoy comedy properly. You can't, you cannot be anywhere else but in that moment, yeah, and it's yeah. really beautiful. It's really, really, that really is. fun. yeah, it yeah. isn't a- <laughs> It's great.
0: I love that analogy. Oh. A really fast
1: car, something could fall off, and it's falling off when you just say, like, you just, you know, you accidentally make an S and SH sound, and you're just like, God <laughs> that damn it! Idiot. Yeah, the wheels are falling off, and wow. then everyone goes, Oh, what? Oh. And then they know, you know, they'll start to notice that their f- bum's uncomfortable in the chair or mm. whatever, and then they have to learn to trust the comedian again. And sometimes that, that relearning is like within a few seconds. Yeah, yeah. But chances are if you stumble and then a punchline's the next sentence, that, that punchline will never be as good as if that stumble didn't happen. Wow. I know. It's so fascinating.
0: I suppose a misconception from some people would be that comedians, you know, on the fly get up there. but it, Yeah, it must they never do. do. Like are you oh. a meticulous rehearser? Or? No, no, yeah. no, 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 no,
1: no, uh, no. So there's jokes that I know inside and out that I will be able to do. Like my show probably I could by the end of a Melbourne run was because that's a whole month of doing it every almost every night, mm-hmm. every night except Mondays. Mm-hmm. Um, you can go into you can start to think about other things because you trust that your brain and your mouth Mm. have worked out how to do it. (laughs) So you can like play around with certain things or notice who's in the room and think about what next could I do and that's pretty fun Um, but – I love crowd work. So I had a gig on Thursday night where I was the MC where I only did crowd work. So just talk to the audience and then you, that is thrilling. That is thrilling (laughs) because you are taking, you're not only like, you can't, you're not only having to trust yourself, you're trusting the audience that they're not going to fuck it up. Mm. Sorry, can I swear? Yeah yeah yeah. Sorry about that. Got and explicit. so like uh no, <laughs> like you could talk to someone and they can really yeah. give you nothing. Yeah. Like I did a gig in Belgrave the other week oh, and yeah. the MC And people in Belgrave, there's different kinds of people in Belgrave. They all looked like they were just watching the telly. They had forgotten that they were a part of it. (laughs) So they kind of were, they weren't talking and someone was like, oh no, they're enjoying it. But that's just what people in Belgrave look like when they're enjoying it. Yeah. I was like, far out. That is incredible. Mm. Just absolutely stony faced. The MC is brilliant. Uh, uh, Daniel Connell is so funny. I've never seen him do a struggle. Do you know him?
0: I do. Yeah. He's so funny mm-hmm.
1: and he was really struggling to get any reaction. And he would say like, what do you do, mate? And he'd go, oh, just do work.
0: Monosyllabic. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, and it was
1: really, really hard. So that mm. was like crowd work for them was impossible, but that's the thrill of it. Like you yeah. just take a punt, you're like, I don't know that you're gonna say nothing. I don't know if you're gonna say actually something really rude. I don't know if you're gonna say something <laughs> sexist. I don't know if you're gonna <laughs> yeah, like actually right. put a really stinking vibe in the room. There can mm. be someone who's just like freshly divorced who comes in and brings all of their baggage and you go, how right. are you going? And they're like, my husband is, and you're like, oh, this is, I've, I've ruined the night, you know? <laughs> Well, she did, but I didn't. Yeah, so is, you can say, you can see when someone's over-rehearsed something and that's never fun. No. The thrill of like watching a car that is going too fast and things are about to fall off, Yeah, that is exciting, yeah. you know, not literally, but, you know, that thrill of like this, something could go wrong any second. Mm. But if you're watching a Volvo... 40 kilometres an hour, less thrilling because you know that it's safe and you know (laughs) that they're going to get to the end and you know that no one's going to get hurt. But you also know that it's not very fun. Mm.
0: So how many performances during the comedy festival for you?
1: How many shows in Melbourne? The Melbourne one? Um, Melbourne was 22, I think.
0: Out of how many nights? Uh, I think it was
1: 26 it's 26 or 27. Wow. And then and it was like, so you do the one hour show, but then you'll do spots before the one hour and spots afterwards. Okay. So it was yeah. Hmm. And then um yeah, so it was lots of it and then I just t- took it to Sydney and then I'm taking it to Canberra and Brisbane and all of these places and it it's going to it looks different every night. I don't cool. think ever I could be like each night, it, oh, that Tuesday night was exactly the same as my Saturday yeah. night. Every single night it looks different.
0: Is that, is that in terms of being taxing on you both physically, mentally, spiritually in terms of like being drained, is that something that is like really challenging or are you just so up and about during that month? You're like, yeah. whatever, I'm exhausted, but I also am fucking loving this. Yeah, hmm. yeah. Uh,
1: I thought like people had told me before I did the festival because this is my first Melbourne festival. Yeah. They were saying, you will cry a weekend. You'll be that exhausted and there'll be th- like ticket sales won't be going that well. Like all of these like, you know, rites of passage yep. that everyone expects. You'll only perform to one person right. and one night, which never happened, but I was ready to do that. I was like, if I have to <laughs> yeah. perform to one person, oh my God, that will be not a great time. But if other people, have, why why would I be the person who doesn't have to do that? Yeah, you know, like if yeah. other people have done it, yeah. I could do that. That's fine. That's <laughs> what, I've taught way more uncomfortable year eight classes. (laughs) so it's did i feel exhausted yeah um i did i think i had to fight i think my biggest challenge was i had to fight um the challenge of comparison so um one night would be incredible and then the next night would be um it it, uh it was just fine Mm -hmm. like the audience was a very lovely low hum yeah. And I was like, what is wrong with this audience? Yeah. um, And I fe- I got off stage that night and I was really, really upset. Like I was like, oh, my God, I hated that night. I wanted to raise that. It was my least favorite night. And it was the night that Doris came and our old colleague. Yes. And yeah. I wanted to – and Briny, like our old people that I knew. So it was just strange. I'd be like, oh, that's horrible. That's okay. I'll never see them again. <laughs> because there were people I knew in the front row. I was like, no, this has hurt my ego. I am yeah. wounded. And- yeah. Man down, man down, oh God. And um I had to go out the back and I was like, I just don't want to see them. I'm actually really embarrassed how badly that went. But then I spoke to them after and they were like, Oh, we loved it. It's just or a they were different sort of audience. Just so, different. They yeah. weren't there the night before. They didn't mm. know yeah. how loud the audience could have been. They were just like, "Well, we all had a lovely time. We listened. Mm. We laughed at the right places. We yeah. just didn't scream or clap." <laughs> I'm like, "Well, why didn't you scream and clap?" Yeah. You know. <laughs> uh, so I think I think that was. It's constantly remind. It, that's all it is. Comedy is just like constantly reminding yourself mm. things like. The audience have decided to come out. They're always on your side. Yep. Not always, but they're often, you know, people who have like paid money to come and sit in a room for an hour with you, mm-hmm. they genuinely want it to be, happy, uh, to be a really happy time. Yeah. They haven't been like, I want to see this person fail. And those people exist, sure, but there they must be few and far between. Yeah. So it's not, you're not going to war with mm. a, a, it's not like, you know, year eight English. <laughs> (laughs) You aren't, you're not (laughs) counting, they're not counting down the minutes and you're not counting down the minutes. It's like a time that you have both Mm. happily invested in and then you come and you try and, you try and get that hypnosis happening. You try and get that thrill happening and you try and leave feeling like you've given each other something. Yeah. And that's really fun.
0: I'm sensing some uh, trauma from year eight English classes. <laughs> no. oh, which, yeah. which I actually agree with because yeah. I have had year eight English classes that are like, oh, they're so bad. So bad. These kids are just there. They don't want to be there. They would be anywhere else but learning about Frankenstein, reading yeah. Mary Shelley's Frankenstein. Um, yeah, but teaching yeah. actually,
1: that's how, no, you say that teaching actually helped me with hard gigs. That like, was
0: actually a question I was going to ask was, um, what's like, I know we, Both taught for a little, a short time together, um. But what skills do you take from what? Um, I can only imagine. You know, you probably got to the end of teaching. We're like, that's that's enough. But what skills do you take from ten years in the classroom? Um, and experiences maybe that you lean on. Um, I know they're very different, but at the same time, it's still a very much like an oral. You know, you're, yeah. you're kind of performing in a way. Yeah, you are. Yeah.
1: Yeah, you are. So one of the reasons I went into comedy was so I was like, I was trying to make these teenagers laugh and that's really hard. <laughs> yeah. So I was like, why am I trying to make you laugh? Uh, that's weird. And I was so I was, obviously there was something else there. Um, and I was like, this is not the right environment for this. Um, and so it was um, I think the things that I was able to take was it's, I don't, uh, if it's a hard audience, I don't necessarily take it personally um as other you know sometimes it's like oh god that was that was horrible but yeah. so it's easy for me to be like oh okay well I've been in more yeah. horrible situations for yeah. much longer <laughs> also when someone is not engaging at all mm. I I can find a way to get them. Whereas, because like, you, in your, you know, in, you know, say year 11 literature, you see someone who's like trying mm. to keep going on their phone or trying uh, like do like do- you know, doodling or just like trying to desperately not be in that classroom yeah. for whatever reason. Mm. If I see someone kind <laughs> of looking a little bit uncomfortable, I'll try and I'll try and get them in. Yeah. To like welcome them into the like right. this is what we are experiencing together uh, right now. See if you have a go. Sometimes it doesn't, doesn't work. Sometimes yeah. they genuinely don't want to be a part of it for whatever. It, like someone's dragged them along. Comedy makes them uncomfortable because it you could be you could be called upon, and some people that is terrifying. Uh, yeah. Also, I don't uh, you know when you see a terrified kid in your class, you know yes. that they don't want to be called upon.
0: One hundred percent. Yeah. So you
1: just don't call it upon them. But yeah. I but I've watched. Comedians who weren't teachers before mm. go for the scared person because they're like, You're not going to be a smart ass to me. Yeah. You're, you're oh, going okay. to be, you're going to give me the, you know, easy answers. Yeah. And um, maybe you'll make a fun of, maybe you'll make a fool of yourself a little bit. Yeah. And I won't have to do that. And then <laughs> yeah. we will all laugh and whatever. And so it's kind of, you watch, it's like like watch. that person's
0: worst fear. Yeah. And they're, they're taking the easy target, which, yeah. which does sound pretty. And you're right. Like in a classroom, if you go yeah. for the kid who's obviously like Terrifying. anxious or shy yeah. or like painfully shy or has no friends and you pick on them and they say something stupid, and everyone laughs at them. Yeah. They, they will not forget that no <laughs> we'll totally a very dark mark exactly on them,
1: yeah. and that person in the comedy in like a comedy room mm. they get called upon and which is what they desperately they're never going to go to comedy again
0: i know right they're never yeah. they're going to be
1: like i knew that was going to happen mm. and i hated that and everyone <laughs> laughed at me and i was the butt of the joke as if i'm ever going to go back yeah. but the comedian was like i gotta laugh it's like well you didn't mm. you just made fun of a Scared person, so Ting definitely helped, absolutely, definitely made me more resilient.
0: Mm. Now, I know there was an example, um, and I don't want to go too far into this because I know the whole PC that's it's been done, but I know with like Ruben K on the project, yeah. um, made a joke about um, Jesus, and it didn't obviously go down very well with the because it was on channel 10, you know, yeah. mainstream. But um, I suppose relating that to like, you know, we're talking about some obviously comedians, some um, go to really serious topics and make light of it, which I think is really important because it's important to um, explore that side of ourselves of like, yeah, a lot of shit happens to us Mm. at the same time to get through it. Sometimes like laughing is really, really important for our mental health. Um, So I suppose uh, like do you think people take themselves too seriously sometimes when they go to shows or even just like, in terms of what we can and can't joke about.
1: Yeah. Okay. So um, this is a bit tricky because you're going to have people like Isaac Butterfield, yes. who you mentioned earlier, who uh, made um, headlines a while ago for making horrible mm. like playground jokes about um, Aboriginal people yeah. and they were so on the nose, they mm. were so gross and so offensive and it was... And I don't understand what for. And his argument after that was like, you took it out of context. I was just saying, here are some bad jokes, and there was no rhyme nor reason for why he did that, apart from polarize uh, the whole, like yeah. the, the audience. Because people who laughed at it, it's like, oh, okay. Um, I see where you are on this kind of idea, on this, on like in this argument. And the people who didn't laugh were like, oh, okay, you're too sensitive. Yeah. So it's like, well, they're not too sensitive. They just don't want to add fuel to this already blazing fire that Aboriginal people have to face already. Ruben Kaye, his jokes, I work for the project twice a week. I'm just, I write um, the jokes for the comedian and we also have to deal with the inbox. um, So the Facebook (laughs) inbox. So when Ruben Kaye did that joke, which was uh, for content, He's, um, he, he has a lot of uh, religious people who don't like him in the first place. Yes. And he said "I on the panel, I love Jesus. I don't know why everyone's so upset. I love Jesus. I love any man who can get nailed for three days and then come back for more. That was Ruben Kaye's joke. I yeah. don't even think he's actually—he doesn't claim he even wrote it. Yeah, he is a, probably a very old joke. He just threw it out there. He had no idea the backlash yeah, that right. was coming for him. But there are people ready for a fight. There are people ready for a fight, and in this case, the there was a number of uh, Christian groups who were waiting for someone. From yeah. the woke, and I use, I say woke, I'm using the, inverted commas. Yeah. Uh, the woke tribe that came mm. forth, and I uh, would root them, and they took this as i like, like they took this, and they were like, here we go, let's go. They will protest. Ruben K had to cancel his show in yeah. Sydney, um, because he was worried. Um, the police asked him to cancel it. He had to give his phone back. Um, to He had to give his phone, sorry, to the police. I had to go through them, which he thinks is really hilarious because it, he said it's just full of penises <laughs> and so... <laughs> Uh, so this was, but what this did do? Um, I did this. Uh, this did a couple of things. One, it solidified uh, Ruben Kaye's fan base. Yes. The people who already liked him anyway. The people who did, mm. who were angry, weren't ever going to go see his show. No, that's right. What are you doing? Like mm. you, uh, what are you upset about? I'm like you're yeah. not going to go see this again. Yeah. You're not going to go watch this. It's fine. Yeah. But it also grew his fan base. So people who weren't aware of him before were like, "This is funny." Oh, okay. Like this, like, people are angry. Okay, I'm gonna get on the other side. So he sold over five thousand tickets apparently after he, like, within like a few days after he said that. Yeah. He also got an enormous amount of death threats. Yeah. They found like his parents' address. They oh. were like, it was very scary for him, but also wonderful for his career in the long run. Mm. He was like, wasn't sure whether. It was a safe place to be, Australia Australia Excellent. was a safe place for him to be at all yeah. anymore. It's kind of blown over and he's filthy rich now. <laughs> yeah. Love him to death. He's a really great guy as well. was a really lovely guy. Amazing man. performer as well. Yes. Oh, my God. Brilliant. Brilliant. Yeah. Brilliant. Um so I the I d- I think a lot of these like protests are in-, mm. in vain. You are just you are actually just helping him sell tickets at this point. Yeah. You angry people, what can you joke about? What can I don't make many jokes about religion. I only have one joke about religion in my show which was um <sighs> I talk about this story, like this, a story that happened with my grandma and I say I wasn't there when it happened, this story. Um, no one who was there at this time is still alive still so I actually don't know how true or false this story is. Um, but you know when a story's so good you don't care if it's real or false, I guess that's how religion works. Yeah. And then I move <laughs> on. And then that uh, if people are offended by that, like I can – but I don't like dig into it. I'm not like you, yeah, mm. bloody Christians. You bloody this. You're yeah. That. It's just yeah. and it's and it's kind of like it's broad enough to be like all religions. It
0: feels like kind of a dangerous point, um, in terms of culture wars being being stoked, um, particularly in the US. I, and I know it relates to Ruben K because I know there's been in the US there's been so much about drag, you know those um readings to um. In libraries, yeah, at public libraries to kids, yeah, and that's now all of a sudden this this big deal. And I know it also relates to that Bud Light. Um, oh, forget um, her name, but uh, Bud Light. There was a big boycott as well, right? And I know the US. We all we look at the US and go, what the like, what the fuck's going on yeah. over there? But it does relate to, I suppose, Australia as well. Oh, absolutely. We're not, yeah,
1: there's people we we follow everything that's going on absolutely. in America. We might not mm. be as uh as tied to it i mean i think i guess uh, the biggest difference that we have is that we don't have any of their gun s- situations mm. <laughs> nor nearly as bad um here yeah. but we have like we have the far right here for Absolutely. sure yeah. we have the far left and we all we're mm. very it's very polarized we're always going to be polarized yeah but this a lot of the trans agenda at the moment is uh it's really troubling people have really taken umbrage with it which yeah. is bananas because for so long we were like progressively getting better and it got Mm. to a point where the far right were like okay you've officially pushed it too far now we're going to take it all all the way back to square one we've given you an inch and you've taken a mile and that's you know yeah that's not okay so they're like now banning it it's Mm. just wild to me and I, I like I think Ruben K, him him being so proud of who he is, and also being a cabaret performer and oh. quite androgynous, um, and having like a, a, like a very strong agenda where he's very anti um, church, yeah, uh, and uh, very pro. Um, equal rights. Mm-hmm. Um, people are like, "Oh, okay, this is too loud for me, and this is too bright, and this is too in your face." And the mm-hmm. fact that they put him on ch- like Channel 10's The Project, yeah, that was you've you've upset us all now. And so <laughs> that was the tipping point for Australia, I reckon. Is one yeah. of the tipping points. Also, Courtney Act when she was on Play School and she is like, a, she's a drag queen and yeah, she right. read a story on Play School and people were. Disgusted by that. Politicians came out and said it was, oh, it's like something to do with pedophiles or something. It was really just so disgusting the way that mm. they portrayed her yeah. reading a book mm. to kids. <laughs> like, yeah, I know. So uh, we're in a weird time, mm. but I do think there is an audience. I don't, I, okay, it would be silly to think that we're all going to agree absolutely it's not yeah. and it's it, the same thing with like <laughs> it, look at my comedy it's like that no one's I'm never going to get everyone to like me and yep. that's okay like I'll look at an audience and I will have you know um, sometimes I'll see someone who just looks bored the whole way through the set and that's okay like I'm not but I have to, I, if I if I was sensitive I would think about that person for the whole set and I'll try and win that one person over. But what I'm doing is I'm trying to win that one person over who has decided that I'm not for them, and that is okay. I'm ignoring all the people who have decided I am for them. Yeah. And it's like, just pick your audience, <laughs> and that's okay.
0: It's really funny you say that because I'm fascinated by watching audience members. Mm-hmm. Cinemas, I, I don't like stare at them, but I just like looking at yeah, people. Yeah, that's weird. It is a bit weird. <laughs> but you, and you, I actually you do see it in shows where people are just like blank yeah. faced. And not enjoying themselves. Again, Mm -hmm. maybe they were dragged there. Maybe they're just like, ugh.
1: You don't know what what their day's been like. Yeah, You don't know Mm -hmm. what's going on. That is also maybe as happy as their face gets.
0: It could be as well. They're actually like inside, I am loving every minute of it. It's like Lenny on on The Simpsons the opposite way when Lenny's just had plastic surgery Mm -hmm. and they've just all been laid off by the power plant. And then um, it's like, oh, everyone's so upset, except for Lenny. And he's like, it's the worst. This is the worst day of my life. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> yeah. I know comedians have the reputation of being like, I mentioned it before, alcoholics yeah. or, you know, they're sober now yeah. or, or what they've always, you know, had, whether it's trouble with substances or whatever. I'm not going to ask anything about that. Personally. Oh, no, that's fine. I've- <laughs> but um, do you think that stereotype is changing? Yeah. Or, yeah.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Mm. I think the it's not as rock and roll as it used to be, mm. um, because I think especially in Australia, I can only speak for Australia. It's what I it's all I know. Um, but in Australia, I know that there were a number of um, comedians who were very overtly um, addicted to drugs yep. and alcohol, yep. and they were kind of carried through. They were carried through their the most famous ones are Greg Fleet and Fiona Lachlan. Yes, yes. Yeah, so Alicia. those two were kind of um, – and it – Dreadful, in a really horrible way, they were enabled because they were like, oh, I just, it's just Fiona, she always gets on stage and can't stand up. So they'd put mm. a seat on there for her uh, and they just, and she would uh, sometimes, like her story is dreadful. Like she went mm. through decades of, or yeah. maybe not decades of, in comedy, but decades of alcoholism. Mm. And in comedy there was a world that was just facilitated. At every single gig there's booze, every single gig yeah, there's booze. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, like, but last night I was at, Last night and the night before at this gig, it's all booze is all free. Uh, but I was the only, I only was the only person who had a wine, and they were all just on waters. It's really, mm. it's actually moved out of being the cool or the done thing. People, some people will have a drink, but often people aren't drinking at all mm. because we've seen. I think hopefully we've learnt from the yeah. people before us. Mm. But also, there's too, there's so many people. To choose from now, like the, in the in the old days in Australia, you could just go oh. I'll just be a comedian. Not many people are, and then you just get on telly like the next week, and you have a show. <laughs> it was just so easy, yeah, to to do it compared to now when there's so many people so, yeah. and everyone's fighting for a spot. If there's a like, if there's a, a room runner, and they go, "Oh, I'll get," um, should I choose her? She's pretty good, or should I choose him? He's amazing, but mm. sometimes he turns up a bit maggot. You'd be like, "Well, I'm not going to choose the guy who's turning up maggot. I'm going to yeah. choose the lady who's." Actually, trying to do a good job here, mm. so it's a wet, it's less cool to be. No, I don't think I've done a gig with someone who's been drunk for s- over six months. Right. Yeah, and it's just like no one thinks it's cool. Like mm. you just go, "What are you doing, mate?" Like that's embarrassing. Yeah, yeah. Some in Queensland, often people will bring a beer on stage, and right. um, which is fine. Yeah. And not, but no one, no, I don't see anyone do that in Melbourne. Yeah, right. No one brings a beer and puts it on the stool and uh yeah now I only just realized I realized that now I'm talking to you
0: I yeah that's a really good point and it's a dramatic shift I think as you said like a really dramatic shift in that way um and I know like I had an acting teacher who said that um obviously actors probably back you know whatever decade, yeah. some of them were absolute piss pots and yeah. you know, all over the shop. And I think now it's changed where if you're an artist or a creative and you gotta work really hard and you've got to make your own way, if you actually are a liability, people are just not going to hire you. Yeah. And it's actually become a lot that's cooler to be to look after yourself and and, you know, find um, as you work, you're working really hard on something you know, you're not going off and getting pissed that night because you've got to turn up in the morning at 7, 8 a.m. Or for you, you know, at night time, if you're doing a gig at like, what, 11, 12 Mm. at night, then, you know, the next day is going to be horrible for you. Yeah, dreadful. i will be the worst Mm. mum ever. Yeah, that's right. That uh, probably is. Yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah. and 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 that is like it's a lot of my comedy comes from my life. So if I'm Mm. too tired to actually live my life, then my comedy is going to be like, oh, I've got a joke about... Being tired, oh, so hungover. Like, and it's really. I think it's we've pushed past that. I think, mm. um, and also like even even in music, you know, yeah. we had we were, you know, Courtney Love is like a butt of jokes. Like, uh, uh, Amy Winehouse's dreadful, sad story, yeah. where it was like, but you what we watched her decline. Like, mm. we watched her go from someone amazing to an absolute hot mess, mm. and we're kind of we're like, oh, I don't think we. Like three sixty, did you, uh did you, you know, three sixty? the I rappers, did. Yeah, Australian the Imperfects. Yes, it was so good. Yeah, it was, yeah,
0: amazing, incredible <laughs> interview. It was so um, good, wasn't it? Mm. And
1: but he, like he, he went through like an industry where it was so cool to be taking drugs, a be yeah. gangster, and all of that kind of stuff. And then he had to, he had to hit rock bottom and then work out how to be a performer without those things. Yeah. I and listening to that, it's like, oh yeah, that's. We don't. We don't expect people to be off their faces anymore. We don't yeah. expect uh, artists to all be um, have addiction problems anymore.
0: I think our understanding of addiction is much more yeah. uh, intricate now. Um, where you're like, it's a health issue. Yeah. You know? Even
1: like me telling that story about Arnie Heather at the start, mm. like yeah. I, I, that uh, that already feels different. Like I, we, I grew <laughs> up. We all laughed about Arnie Heather crawling to the mm. fridge, but now telling that story, it's like, oh, that does. It has a different. Yeah. It has a different It has a tinge to it now That it's a little bit like Oh no Was she alright Like was in mm. here But she was Because yeah. she was fine And you know Like she was She wasn't She wasn't like A high functioning alcoholic She wasn't an alcoholic at all She just When she drank She would do She would crawl to the fridge Because she made her beers too strong um, <laughs> And she did it. <laughs> but okay, yeah. Yeah. yeah But even, but now If like, we saw a woman In her 70s Crawling to a fridge Would be like Oh god Is she alright oh, yeah. You know And probably mm. That's a good thing yeah, But um, we do have, to, like now that we look back at all of these stories mm. in any kind of world, whether it's a personal one or in the entertainment industry, we look at them and we're like, oh, we used to think that that looked different. Like yeah. we now look at yeah. that differently. Yeah. And um, for good reason or bad reason, whatever, <laughs> we do. We le- we're learning. We're living, we're learning.
0: <laughs> An experience, a lesson, a message to savour. The 90-Second Nugget. A lesson you've learned in any educational institution as both a kid and an adult?
1: is Everyone is desperate to be important Mm. in some way. Uh, And it it might be uh, climbing the ladder at a school, for example, uh, and the ways they go about that can be very destructive yep. um, uh, for themselves a lot, a lot of the time. But the the people that they hurt along the way in order to become important or what they perceive as being important um, is really fascinating to watch. Mm. Um, uh, but also their way of being important could be uh, to just be the squeaky wheel. Um, so it's... It's, it's some level of importance. It might be I'm never going to be the principal um, so I will just be the – most annoying person on staff. Oh,
0: so you're talking about like a naysayer? Or, yes, it could yeah. just
1: be heard. Knit-picker. Everyone wants to be important in mm. for some, in some way, in some way. Yeah, it could be I want to be the the best at this, or I want to be the head of this, or I want to be uh, the person who gets the most of this, or yeah. I want to have the most of whatever. Everyone mm. is trying to reach a pinnacle of something. And it's whatever they've de- decided it is and often it, in, uh, I think it's really interesting watching <laughs> like I guess the path they take in order to get that. And since being not a teacher anymore and uh, one of the reasons I left teaching was not necessarily just because of comedy but I was quite burnt out by mm-hmm. the teachers. Yeah. I wasn't students. student so if, often people were like, oh, kids, hard work, teenagers, ugh. but I quite like teenagers. Yeah. I think they're great. Yeah what I observed whilst I was there and since leaving and I'm like, yeah, this is, it's a really strange thing to want to return back to a school.
0: Yeah, that's really interesting I think uh, and it's brought to mind like why I went back, why I went to teaching. You know, like the anxious kids who didn't feel heard and yeah. and that and I feel like yeah, I went back for that reason Yeah, and not saying that I <clears throat> don't enjoy it as well, like kids are great sometimes. sometimes um, yeah. <laughs> but it is this really interesting point that you make Um, and I think it's so true about teaching of like, Mm. why do we go back to the institution that may have caused a certain amount of pain? Um, and I don't think many kids particularly love being at school for 13 years. You know, some are like, I like school. That's all right. But, um. Yeah, returning to it it's, Especially it's te- being a teenager It's the
1: most, one of the most vulnerable oh, yeah. eras of anyone's life I don't. No one would choose to be a teenager again Everyone no. would say, I'd turn back time I wish I could be 15 again <laughs> No right. thanks, no one it. To... <laughs> so you are constantly surrounded by just this sea of vulnerability mm. Watching kids desperately try and find out who they are yeah. It's not a necessarily a comfortable position to be in to watch that I don't like watching someone be vulnerable I reckon no. it's worse watching someone be vulnerable Than feeling vulnerable yourself It's Definitely. dreadful, it's very mm. awkward Um. So to put yourself in that every time, and, and I just I would I would like for teachers to honestly answer why they went back. One of the reasons I went I decided to be a teacher is because I remember having um, uh, I had my mum had uh, quite a bit of a mental breakdown when mm-hmm. I was in, uh, in high school, uh, and that was like really terrifying Mm. and having some teachers who are healthy. Like they didn't know what was going on. I never told them but just were like just got made me feel a bit safe yeah. when at home you know mum was doing her best but it wasn't it didn't feel that safe at home and at mm. school I felt a little bit safe so I wanted to go back and to create that and it sounds like I'm a real wanker but that was not like at a, all. you know like you know and yeah. was like oh you know just me just being amazing but that was that was I was like if I could go back and do that for some kids that would be really cool yeah and i feel like i was able to do that but it's really it's actually very taxing personally i'm Definitely. And, and really sad because there's yeah. some really sad 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 stories that you can't you can't help them no. you cannot help them there was one kid i remember teaching his uh, mum was a, a right mess she was really struggling um uh, with lots of things and he was at school before, well, before the doors opened, and uh, when then the school teachers were asking him to leave, like come on, mate, you have to go. Like everyone's, we're locking up, um, and docs weren't helping at all. <laughs> they, they were like, well, he's got a home, you know. There's some kids who've got no home, so it's like, God, <laughs> is it like we can't help him? He's really it's dangerous. Like it's, and they're like, well, is she hurting him physically? I was like, well, I don't think. Mm. And so that was, and then to go home. I know that a lot of people have really hard jobs where they see sad things, or like yeah, way sadder yeah. than that. But you just go, God, this is, you know, it's a it's a lot to to go. Like I'm going to go in and help, but there's just so many times where you're like, well, I cannot help.
0: And that's and that's exactly right. I think um, you know some teachers. Go in. I've met many teachers who go in with these really high expectations of I'm going to change things and then you get in there and you realize the system is so built and it's stayed pretty much the same for 150 years Mm. and even though we talk about well-being and the importance of it and it's definitely shifted there's still so much in there you're like I yeah I'm not a psych I'm not a counselor I'm not this I can try and help I can be there I can listen but then I also there's only so much I can do mm. without like firstly boundaries obviously you got to look after yourself and I am sure it's very similar in other other um, jobs and professions as well but um teaching I've yeah I've never seen um, and I, I got into it for a very similar well not a very similar reason sorry but a, a similar reason in terms of wanting to help yeah kids who are like who are you know going through difficult challenging periods but. And I think you know you do. You definitely do help those kids, but there's also just there's just you're right. A certain point you can get to, yeah. And you're like, I can't keep them safe at home, or I can't keep them safe in the toilets at like a school where they're getting the shit yeah, kicked out. Yeah, down. yeah, and yeah. That, don't get me wrong. I didn't really come across situations like that, but you know what I mean. Like yeah. school, there are awful kids who yeah. do really mean things for attention or mm. to feel. You know, big and strong. Yeah, the horrible um, kids
1: that call the fat girl fat, you yeah. know, those ones. And you're like, I can't, what is wrong with yeah, you? Come I know. On, mate. What is wrong with you? And yeah. you can't help the girl like not feel not, yeah. you know, you can like rouse on that kid be like, mm. Don't call her that, but you can't make a scene out of it because she's like, please, I just want to be invisible. Yeah, like that yeah. that that comment has just made me want to disappear. Mm. Please don't draw attention to it. Oh god, to be a teenager again. No, thank you.
0: No, thanks. No, thank you. It was through words I found you. Through words I reach you. And through words, I beg to keep you close. Caroline George. This is a note to self. I think people want to write letters to themselves when
1: they're have- when they think they're probably most confused, but actually yeah. when I was a teenager, was <laughs> confusing life was, I don't reckon that is the moment in my life yeah, right. where I was most confused. Mm. Um, I think the, most, the time I was most confused was the time I didn't actually realize how confused I was. Okay, all right, here we go. <laughs> all right, Tubron, Tubron, you're 30 years old. You have no idea how confused you are, but you are really lost. You found yourself as a mother of two beautiful little girls. Um, this uh, is where time feels really weird because pregnancy is so long but nine months feels so short when you go from a woman to a mother. Uh, the years also feel weird because the days are so long but the years are short. Time changes completely when you when you change from a, uh, a woman to a mother and that is confusing. Um, this transition from a woman to a mother is both magnificent and brutal at the same time. Uh, you'd not see this coming, which sounds like a cliche and as an English teacher, you should have been able to see that coming from a mile away. You'll dissociate a lot. You'll self-sabotage a lot. You'll feign acts of self-harm as self-care and you see the punishment as validation that you aren't a good person. Bron, you hate vulnerability and you may never be comfortable, comfortable with it, uh, but in the attempt to avoid it, you'll experience it endlessly. So just stop, slow down, take stock. You are a good person, you're a good mum, and you'll be happy as soon as you accept these facts. Until then, hold on, it's worth the wait.
0: Ah, ah. that's so beautiful. <laughs> um, oh, that, that start of that reminded me of a writer. Oh, I can't even remember, somewhere in my bookshelf. Um, is her name years... Shakespeare? <laughs> no, no. Okay. The years are long, but the uh, The
1: days I'm... are long, but the years are short. Something yeah, like that. Yeah, it's One of those things that mm-hmm. are told to um, mums with small babies. That is actually such a fucking annoying thing to hear because yeah, you're like, right. how <laughs> how is the how are the years long when the days are this. <laughs> How are the years so short when the days are this long? Because it is. Like just like all day, all night, all day, all night, all day, yeah. all night, but then all yeah. of a sudden your kid's nine and you're like, oh, well, okay. So I, And as a, as a mum, you're like, yeah, I get it. Like I yeah. understand all these cliches are am about. There's got to be some merit yeah. to it. Yeah, fine, fine, oh, great. But yeah. the time actually doesn't help at all and you do just want it. You're just wishing time away. Like you're just yeah. wishing it away. And you do. Like I wished heaps of time away. I couldn't wow. wait. I ha- like, I hated having newborns. I, newborns are not my forte. I've had, they're just so needy and they're so unrewarding, uh, yeah, and yeah. they are terrifying. Like they are so fragile, mm. uh, and there's like, you get weird rashes and they get sick. And like when you go to the emergency with them, they whisk you in because they just know that day babies can just just drop dead from whatever weird yeah, thing. Yeah. They're like um, they're not immunized for ages. It's terrifying. You're just holding this glass thing for so long. And you are tired, and you are ill-equipped, and you are um, unqualified. Like yeah. no one's taught you how to do anything, <laughs> yeah. and you're like, well, I don't know. Like people throw advice at you all the time, uh, or, um, but you don't like. Every it all is different. Like everyone's talking about their babies. No one's talking about your baby. Yeah, right. And so you are learning this thing as you go and that's terrifying. Mm. So I just, I think um, I had pretty bad postnatal depression. Uh, Oh, I had postnatal anxiety Mm. with um, uh, Edie, my second, but I had it with, I think I had it with Olive, but I didn't know what it was. And then I had it dreadfully with Edie. Olive was a really hard baby. Edie was a really easy baby. But I was constantly waiting for her to turn into a hard baby. So every day I'd be like, this is the day she changes. And that's like what a wonderful way to describe anxiety. It's like waiting for something horrible to happen. So just looking at this perfect round baby and being Mm -hmm. like, she's going to turn into a monster any second. Just watching something I love so much being like, all right, today's the day. Today's the day and where I can prove everyone wrong and be like see I mean, yeah see she 's heart, see baby 's heart, are really hard. Yeah, and then yeah. when with Ari, when Ari was born, he was born a while later, I had really bad postnatal depression, mm-hmm. and that was a very different experience where I just with the girls i didn 't stop moving, I just moved all the time, just move, 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 to try and avoid actually sitting with the discomfort. If you just constantly distract yourself, listen to a podcast, walk, um, go to the shops, go to do Mm. this, just, you know, like, I don't know, go for a run, I don't know, anything to distract, to get away from the thoughts that you've got, which are like, hey, you're not doing a good job, (laughs) which is, you know that they're very loud. Those thoughts are very loud anyway. But if you can, like, run whilst those thoughts are happening, at least, yeah. you know, your knees <clears throat> hurt at the same time. There's something yeah. else to think about. And then when Ari was born, um, I had very, it, it was just darkness and everything was slow. It hot, the days went forever mm. and the nights went forever and I had no drive to even to leave the house to get anything. Mm. It was a very different experience and this was – just in transition, just having someone that dependent on you yeah, uh, right. is hard. It's yeah. really, really heavy, and it's hard. And i um, i didn't I didn't lose myself after Ari. I got help way faster. Yeah. I had a really great GP who um, recognised it really quickly. And was like, let's just try these antidepressants. I was like, I don't want yeah. them. They uh, were horrible. Like to get because uh, I went on went on after the girls, and I was on for like a year or whatever, and it was wonderful. But then when I was like, I'm fine. I'm going to go off them. The withdrawals oh, were just
0: so bad. Oh, it's, mm. it was my
1: head was just so. It was like a head fog like i could it, it felt yeah. like there was it was full of water
0: mm. my
1: eyes were blurry i couldn't concentrate on anything i was like uh, trying uh, i'd lose my train of thought in last weeks and a headache a splitting headache the whole mm. time i was like that's it i'm never yeah um, this isn't worth it and then when ari's born i had the, in my head well, i'm not i'm not gonna go on presence i'll just work this out myself <laughs> anyway eventually this, she was like oh, is this what you're scared of? Because you get scared of weird things. Like You know, you can like, you're yeah. like, well, this is the thing that I'm going to hang my head on this this thought. Yeah. And there's right, no, right. if someone can't, it, like it's full of holes. Like if someone mm. just said, hey, I would be like, oh, wow, that doesn't stand up in court. Uh, but, uh, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but I just had decided that was the, that was what I was going to, that was the, the thing that was in my way. I would just have to I just have to move around and and it's okay but then I went on some antidepressants then and it was great and it got me through it but with the girls I before I went on antidepressants I just lost myself yeah. like I just I, I didn't know who I was as a person anymore because I had was now a mother and then I just was very self-destructive, just very self. I started joining CrossFit. I went way too many times a day. I just uh, was like punishing myself all of the time because I just didn't think I was doing a very good job. So I was like, "Well, if I, I'll just, I'll just hurt my back a lot, and then it will be. It's weird. It is it's weird. Really weird.
0: Yeah, yeah. And I know, and I like. It's such a uh, misconception about medication with like withdrawals but even the um what do you call the first bit the not the tail in or whatever when you first take it and the mm. the side effects c- mm. can be so shit that you want to stop taking mm. the medication that's supposed to be helping you and and the withdrawals like i, I remember um having this click and I'd, every time oh, yeah. i have a, a flick oh, and God. it lasted for six weeks and i was so scared that it was never going to stop yeah because That's and I was like, well, time. I'll just start taking them again. Yeah. Even though I want to get off them, I might start taking them again because it's not worth. I don't it want to feel it. this yeah. like
1: click in the side of your yeah. eye. Yeah. 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 Mm.
0: Yeah. So I totally empathize with that.
1: But you just, the, uh, I just said, I don't want the withdrawals. And she was like, oh, my yeah. God, if that's what you're worried about, oh, that's easy. We'll just give you one without withdrawals. And she came in Prozac and Prozac had no withdrawals. Oh, really? It was like really fast because a lot of the medication, <laughs> a lot of antidepressants, they're like designed for postnatal depression. Uh, they're like, I don't know what it is about the postnatal brain that just, uh, that just reacts so quickly yeah. to this medicine. So there was Prozac. I had it. It was like that day and probably wow. with placebo that day I felt better. I felt like I could breathe properly. I was like, oh, everything's a little bit brighter. I'm all right. You know, my peripheral vision came back rather than just doing this horrible, dark, narrow, narrow. Uh, tunnel that I was looking god down yeah. and then yeah and it was it was fine and then I was I don't know how long I was on them for I don't know maybe six months and mm. then when I stopped them no no side effects I was yeah. like oh my god I need to be the spokesperson for Prozac I
0: know you have yeah. I should be <laughs> <laughs>
1: where's my money yeah, <laughs> yeah. Wow, so yeah. if I yeah, yeah the probably the most vulnerable time in my life was that yeah. and it wasn't like it wasn't fleeting either it lasted a years mm-hmm. a couple of years I reckon maybe three years it probably lasted in until I gave up teaching. I reckon when you're in an environment, uh, it's like living in a house where something bad happens. Yeah. And even though that bad thing is over, keep continuously living in that environment, reminds you of it and makes you feel like that is who you are, even though it's it's not. That's so spot on. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I needed to move out of teaching in that house and in that school where I was constantly reminded of self-sabotage and whatever mm. and then it, everything changed
0: the last section is called weird fishes i don't Good. know if you're a radio fan but uh no um no no what
1: i know yeah,
0: i know but anyway um so just a few questions. Did you say Radiohead? Radiohead. Oh, I thought you said Radiohead. Did radio. I say, radio? Did you I just say said radio? radio I didn't say Radiohead. So yeah,
1: yeah, okay, yeah, Radiohead. Yeah. No, no, I like Radiohead. Are you a Radio radiohead.
0: fan? Yeah. 3 <laughs> yeah.
1: Wireless? I don't listen to the wireless. <laughs> radiohead. Yes, yes, yes. yes I yes, am yes. a Radiohead fan. Everyone is.
0: Take a deep breath. It's Weird Fish's term. The film you may have last saw a scene or um, a film you've seen that spoke to your soul.
1: Mm. What is the one? What is the one with the guy? <laughs> with the uh, guy with the tie? No, the guy who cuts off his fingers and throws them at the man's door.
0: Um. Uh. Yeah, you know Banshees a, of Inshrin. I don't know how to pronounce. Yeah. Bench-
1: Banshees of Inshrin. Yeah. Yeah. With, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah nailed Colin
0: that. Farrell. Um. So, Colin yeah. Farrell. Farrell. Colin Farrell, Farrell. One, one, one Colin
1: Farrell. Yeah, Farrell and the other guy who's in all of those movies. Um. He. It was with the saggy face. Um. Brilliant. Brendan Gleeson. Great, well done. Yeah. Well done. Yeah, so I'm not great Looks at. Looks like it. my dad. So. Oh, he does. Yeah, he does. Yeah, he does. Former
0: version of my dad. Oh, my he's now God. Lost 30 kilos, oh, okay. But, um, yeah, yeah, no, that
1: is incredible. Yeah, yeah. well done. Yeah, so <laughs> that movie, um, <laughs> Saggy Face. Don't tell your dad I said that. Um, <laughs> so it was, uh, I love that movie just because it was. Um, uh, it was about a friendship that had finished, and also someone who found their identity in someone else. Yeah. And I feel like I have, along my life, I've had people who've seen, who've like latched on to me as if their identity depends on me. And I've, right. and and that's a heavy. I guess not to, not necessarily talking about my kids at all. This is just <laughs> friendships uh, where you go, I can't, I can't carry you through this mm-hmm. bit. I really, um, I really need space or yeah. whatever. But as I saw, and we feel so sorry for the guy who's desperately wanting to be friends, and there is no reason why this person's outgrown him. Uh, but he's just trying to—he's just trying to be important somehow. Mm. You know, I, I don't know. I just really, I really loved uh, this dynamic because I don't think it's been done before, um, and the lengths he goes to in yes. order to to get that space is mm. just. Fascinating. I love that movie.
0: I had two friends who um, they saw it and they were like, God, it was just a bunch of sad men. (laughs) That's the world, baby. (laughs) That's the world, exactly. Yeah, yeah, great film. Great Great film. 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 The book on your side table.
1: Oh, or it's a, called Atomic Habits. Oh yeah, right. Yeah, look, I'm trying really hard at breaking some bad habits, and I'm also trying hard to build good ones. Yes. Um, and always find reasons or ways to um not build them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm like, no, to have time. I've yeah. got to do this. Yeah. I've got to watch Succession. do you understand Succession, Bron? Not really. <laughs> no. Who does? All the talking. So much talking. So much talking. So much talking about business. I don't know how yeah. it's got off the ground. I don't know why it's got so popular. But I think I just I just need to be feel like i'm part of it
0: yeah but
1: christ almighty i can i can zone out of that show better than any other show i think i've ever zoned out of and i've zoned out a lot of shows (laughs) that one is uh (laughs) uh, but you just want to you just i'm hoping for something good to happen like something but anyway doesn't matter so um atomic habits yeah trying to get better that is a pretty good um example of me trying to Mm. improve my life yeah but actually not doing heaps about it mm-hmm. slowly mm-hmm. you can't be perfect <laughs> no yeah. small steps as small well, steps i gave know. up teaching i started comedy yeah. relax i know yeah
0: <laughs> um and it is i think where we get so caught in like just wanting to do the biggest thing to change our life mm. a local recommendation from around yeah. your, your hood or um, state or whatever.
1: Um, uh, uh, yeah just uh live obviously live comedy it's, yeah. uh, it's um, a comedy republic in the city it um, has got uh, excellent lineups they really make sure uh, that the lineups are diverse um, yep. uh, and has a number of different voices there um, and it's it's just a really good really good gig every single mm. time so that is on every week and I'm doing my show there um, probably I'm taking which is all about vulnerability or mm-hmm. well, not all but a lot of it's about vulnerability um, and my journey with it because I am a voidant person. And yep. I find vulnerability really confronting, nah. which a lot of people do, but I feel like I do in particular uh, um but it is uh why i i guess i talk about why i'm avoidant and why i hate vulnerability and so i'm performing that on the 15th of july at comedy republic um and they've got they're just about to kick off a bunch of it's called the replay festival it's all of the shows that they liked from the melbourne comedy festival that they're putting on so if you did miss a if you did miss a show that yes. you wanted to see um have a look at comedy republic they might have it on yeah
0: cool. Cool. Excellent. I'll be there. Um, What does love feel or look like to you?
1: Um, Listening. Hmm. Absolutely listening. It's listening to, it's not problem solving for someone. I think that a lot of people do Like someone comes to you with a problem and you will go, well, you know what I would do? I would you know quit and I would I would you know go buy some runners and I would go for a run and that would help my mental health and this is what I would do and Mm -hmm. that's what you should do and then that's it case closed yeah so just listening just listen to someone yeah if they're like having a rough time or if they're having a lovely time (laughs) listen just listen to them I'm learning that a lot with my kids sometimes I and sometimes I just want to vent to you yeah I just want to tell you why they're cranky and yeah. then instead of going, well, you tell your sister that she's got to give you a biscuit. So this like, yeah, it'd be, it'd be crap. Your sister took your biscuit. That is crap. Yeah. That's a really crummy feeling, mm. mind the pun. Let's go work it out together rather than, you know, yeah, we've giving go. someone mm. ways to fix it. It's just yeah. listening. Sometimes you just want to tell someone you feel crap. Yeah. That's okay.
0: Yeah,
1: you Can't fix it.
0: Mm. Yeah. Uh, what do you most fear?
1: Um, probably what do I most fear. Um, uh, probably losing uh, who I am again. Uh, mm. that was scary. I did. That's the crazy thing. Like I didn't know I was. I didn't know I was doing it. I didn't know I was in a bad place. I didn't know that I was confused. I didn't know that I was self-sabotaging. But uh, it's disassociating as as like I used to do. Yeah. I think that is. A fear, and that sounds really selfish to, for the fear to be about me, but it, the consequences of that yeah. would relate to my kids a lot mm. and my important relationships. Um, so if I can look after that, if I can look after myself, then hopefully I'll be able to help make healthy babies. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, something glorified or put on a pedestal or sought after that you think is bullshit
1: um wealth like, like i think that it mm. look it'd be really nice to have money yeah but i we, i've had to have a lot of like very confronting thoughts yeah. uh with um like we our cars bitch like it's getting a bit old and then uh it's that thing of like oh well, which one do we get do we get one that we absolutely can't afford we'll have enormous debt for forever or do we just get one that's a little bit a little bit older and a bit like that it just works. Yeah. That has yeah. like dings in it and whatever. <laughs> Maybe I'll just do that. And there's a, I feel like every day there'll be a thought of that. It's like, do mm. I need that or do I want that? And yeah. is that important and will that change my life? Mm-hmm. Um, whereas if I was in like a really reliable job where I didn't really get any, any joy out of it, yeah. like or not much joy out of it, like, you know. Being VCE coordinator, (laughs) that would have killed me. Uh, And then having quite a big income and then being like, well, yeah, I'm going to get the Audi because I deserve it and that's nice and I deserve it and Mm -hmm. that's great. Mm -hmm. But that's not um, happiness for me, Mm. which is a a really lovely, comfy place to be. Yeah.
0: yeah. (laughs) yeah. And final question. Yeah. uh, Four people you'd have a long lunch with, one person you love, uh One influential person in your life who has passed, and two people you've never met but feel kind of connected to you've been in- interested in lunching with,
1: yeah. Okay, Julie Gillard. Obviously, I'm not. Uh, she's someone I love. No, she's uh, she's someone I don't I don't know. Yeah, but I I just think that her journey in um mm. as a woman in politics is so interesting. So interesting. I would like to have uh, my nan there because she was such a legend. Um, and she also grew up in a time where love looked love looked different. Yeah, love looked different, and all uh, to what it does now. Like there was like, there were very proud people in the olden days, and yeah, yeah. how did that pride um get in the way of? what? What they wanted to do, yeah, um, or the way how they wanted to love, or you know, there's lots of very, sti- there's lots of discipline in the olden days, yeah. uh, I think that probably affected her way that she maybe wanted to be a mum. Um, mm. I would have, um, a couple, someone come along, I want to know what my son is like when he's older. I mean, I know, I feel like I know my little girls pretty well now, but I'd love my son, I want to know what he's like so he can come along, but he has <laughs> to be able to speak English. So, my son, my nan, Julie Gillard, and one more person probably Tina Turner. I know that oh, yeah. she's passed, but yes, f- fucking hell, she was cool.
0: She was, and she was yeah.
1: really cool. I'm strong, really sad. Strong that she's connection gone. to
0: Australia as well. Yeah, NRL. Oh, she loved the footy. <laughs> she loved the footy, mate. She did, yeah.
1: and the footy loved her.
0: Yeah, and a really f- fascinating and sad tragic backstory yeah Um, did you
1: watch that movie i can i can tina no
0: have not you should watch
1: it's very sad yeah i watched it way too young mum didn't mum didn't stop us watching movies that were too old (laughs) for us (laughs) but i learned a lot about her really young (laughs) she's great she's great
0: well, Bron Lewis, uh, you've been simply the best. Oh, and, uh, done. Well no, done. William Bam. But incredible um, guests, such an amazing conversation. So grateful that we have had this chat. Um, this is The Ebbs and the Flows. We will see you soon. If you or someone you know is struggling or if this episode has triggered anything for you, please call Lifeline on 13 11 14. Mental health is hard, let's be soft together.